Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Tuesday, December 19th. It is six minutes after nine. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall with the day off and Ethan Hatcher joining us in the studio today. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Casey. I'm shocked they didn't bar the doors. They let me back inside. They did let you back inside. (laughs) Hey, let's start off the morning with the most important news of the day. Yeah, it's a bit of a downer. I know. Governor Holcomb announced the passing of the first dog, Henry Holcomb, last night. I saw that, and it made me so sad. He's such a cute puppy. It made me especially sad because I, too, have a miniature schnauzer. Oh yeah, about the same age too. So after I Henry heard was the, a good looking dog too. After I heard the news of Henry, I, I gave Gracie Dog lots of extra love. But uh, uh, Mrs. Holcomb issued a statement, and she said, "Henry, we were so lucky to be your humans. You will always be our very good boy." You know. Oh. Eric has done us dirty, but Henry gave us nothing but love. In fact, I think Henry would have made a far better governor than Eric Holcomb. You know what Henry never did? Henry never extended a moratorium on uh, 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 paying your rent, Mm -hmm. an eviction moratorium. Mm -hmm. Um, He never shut down or punished small businesses. Right. Um, He never raised taxes on anyone. Henry would have made a far better governor, and he has been taken from us too soon at the age of 13. That's true, and because of this, we should be really nice to Eric Holcomb today. No. No? No, well, not it. <laughs> well, we do have Rob Kendall who's going to join us this morning at 10 o'clock, so that'll just go right out the window, I'm sure. Right. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some real news, and this was another poll. Oh, boy. Here we go. The polls are coming in, and they're not looking good for your president at all. Another one, and this is from uh, Monmouth University, uh, saying that Joe Biden's approval is bad. Bad, bad, bad. He stands at only a 34% approval rating, 61% giving Biden a thumbs down on job performance. Um, Nobody's satisfied with what he's doing. Couple of things here. What are the dimensions to which we're discussing these polls? Because on the surface level, I'm I'm greatly entertained. When Mm -hmm. Biden fails, it makes me smile because, of course, his policy is a miserable failure for the country. Um, But that being said, I'm hesitant to put too much stock in these polls. It seems like they rarely pan out the way we believe. And they've also predicted a big red Republican wave that mm-hmm. never came. And also, if you have if you compare it to a local example, Holcomb, not or not Holcomb, uh, uh, Hogsett, not mm-hmm. a very popular mayor. Right. He had relatively low approval ratings going into this election, but many of the voters still voted blue. So just because they're dissatisfied with the leadership of Joe Biden doesn't necessarily mean that they would vote for a Republican as insane as that sounds like I again, I'm entertained, but I hesitate to put too much credit in this. Well, if you see one poll, you might think, okay, that doesn't look too good. But when you see multiples coming out, two, three, and four, that are all saying the same thing, sure. then you've got a problem. Of course, the release of this poll comes just two weeks after he stood at 37% approval rating, and that was from the Wall Street Journal survey. However, Fox News, they did a national poll, and uh, they released that on Sunday, and his approval rating was a bit higher, a smidge, at 43%. But Biden stands below below where his three most recent two-term predecessors, Clinton, 
W. Bush and Obama all at were at this point in their presidency. So he's he's well below the mo- watermark of where they were. But we we live in incredibly unprecedented times, um, and there there's even a less popular elected representative than Joe Biden right now. I thought this was stunning. Uh, Mitch Mitch McConnell. Single, oh, yes. Single digits okay, approval so, rating. So this same this same poll also <laughs> was uh, determining who the least favorite leader in Congress was. From and Monmouth yeah, University? From Monmouth. Okay. And yeah, they said it was uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He's only sitting at 6%. 60% saying they disapprove. Of course, there's 34% who had no opinion. And who are those people who don't have the opinion? Get get an opinion, right? He's the only congressional leader who has a net negative approval rating within <laughs> his own party. You know, that to me just says it's time to retire. And yet. Give it up. And you Sure, yes, that mm-hmm. would be the logical decision. And yet Mitch McConnell has staked his claim on that seat. He's not retiring. He's not backing down. He'll probably run for re-election. And you know what, Casey? There's mm-hmm. a good chance he would get it, too. And that's part of the reason why I'm fearful for these polls predicting uh, Biden's unpopularity. Because, yes, he's unpopular. So is Mitch McConnell. But they have the power of incumbency, and people seem to make incredibly bad choices in the voting booth based off of their party affiliation. So another person who did not fare very well in this poll was the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. He received only a 21% approval rating, 41% saying they disapproved, another 38% having no opinion. But uh, even more surprising than all of this is who is more popular than Joe Biden right now? And that is your vice president, Kamala Harris. <laughs> Joe Biden sinking to a less popular ranking than Kamala Harris. He's sitting at 34%. She is sitting at 35%. That's Who wild. would have thought that there would be the day where Kamala would be getting better numbers than Joe? <laughs> Rains on the righteous and the unrighteous, and so do it, uh, the sun shines too. <laughs> okay, so uh, the former assistant U.S. attorney, his name is Andrew, Andy McCarthy. He was on with uh, Dana Perino and uh, on Fox, and he's predicting that the whole Hunter Biden thing could force Joe out of the 24 presidential race. I'd be very concerned about that. You know, there's a there's kind of a confluence of events that we've seen. You know, David Axelrod says maybe Biden shouldn't run. There's a Wall Street Journal report this weekend where, you know, it seems like Obama is saying the same thing. Yes, I saw that. You've got now two indictments. Mm -hmm. And now this report, what astonished me about it is not just the details. This is a uh, 4,000-word report, which means they spent weeks on it. They could have dropped it at any time. And it dredges up stuff that's been kind of vaguely known for years. Right. And that Joe Biden must have thought that he had, you know, survived that long ago. Uh, And here it is again, right at a time when a lot of top Democrats are saying, you know, maybe time for him to get out. So one of those what lies beneath scenarios. Andy McCarthy, thank you. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on with U.S. Steel. Uh, Once the pride and joy of the United States. Can can we talk a little bit about what Andy McCarthy said? You want to do that? Yeah, Yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, I I wanted to talk about that because um, I, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking 
there on the part of Andy McCarthy and a part of elected Democrats, because they would greatly want Joe Biden to stand, uh, you know, stand down, because I think they believe he stands the greatest chance of being defeated in the election. So do I, Mm -hmm. which is why I hope he continues to run for reelection. And it would seem like Biden wants to. This is the lifelong aspiration of many politicians. He's been in office since 1976. What was that? His third or if not fourth try at the presidency. And he finally got it. He's not going to be forced out of office, much like Mitch McConnell. These people stake their claim Mm -hmm. and they will die in the chair. Yes. So, you know, outside of something wild happening in which Democrats are able to force him out, like I, I just don't. I don't think so. Even if he were under uh, 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 investigation for uh, uh, impeachment, didn't stop Donald Trump. Why would it stop Biden? You don't think everything that's going on with Hunter will maybe make him change his mind? No. No, no because these people are, are uh, narcissists. They're they're full of hubris uh, and self-confidence. They believe that they're untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it could, of course, it could, of course, endanger his election chances by the American people. They might not support him, and we hope they don't. Well, you know, he did lie when he said that Hunter's laptop was disinformation. He lied (laughs) when he said that he never spoke to his son about his business. He lied when he said his family never made money from China. He lied when he said he never interacted with his son's business partners. I mean, he's a a, a manipulator and a gaslighter, total narcissist. So I think you're right. He's not going to step down uh, on his own accord. But but all the reasons that you just listed Mm -hmm. are why the Democrats want him to step aside. Yep. Um, um, but I, that wouldn't be good for Republicans because I think that they might be able to offer a better candidate that people would vote for instead of the Republicans. So I want Joe Biden to Keep run so running. he can lose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about what's going on with U.S. Steel, right? A uh, 122-year-old yeah. company has been has agreed to be bought by uh, a Japanese firm. How do you say it? Nippon? Uh, I believe it's Nippon. Nippon Steel. Yeah. It's a $14.1 billion deal. And, of course, U.S. Steel does employ thousands of Hoosiers in northern Indiana. Yeah, one of the largest employers in northern Indiana, I believe. Yep. And uh, even uh, John Fetterman is on this, saying that uh, he's going to do everything he can to block this sale. I'm standing on the roof of my home right here in Braddock, Pennsylvania, right across the street from the Edgar Thompson plant. And I just have to say it's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a company. Can't do that. Steel is always about security as well, too. And I am committed to doing anything I can do from using my platform or my position in order to block this. And I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here as well, too. And we cannot ever allow them to be screwed over or left behind. Okay, so uh, U.S. Steel, once the world's largest corporation, Carnegie rolling over in his grave right now, but uh, a, a former classic American brand. But it's not the only very American brand that is no longer owned by Americans. Americans. You've got. When did John Fetterman get based, by the way? Right. Making sense right there. Making it's... sense right there and making sense about Bob Menendez calling out the Democrats mm-hmm. for hypocrisy, willing to vote out George Santos as they should, but unwilling to oust Bob Menendez for far worse crimes. But we, you know, we heard him yesterday. He said he's not a progressive. He's still a Democrat. So don't be fooled. No, he's, he's not. But he's, but he's ba- look, even a broken clock could be right twice a day, and he's based <laughs> on those two things. 
things. You're making a little bit more sense. So <laughs> some uh, some more American, former American companies no longer owned by Americans, GE Appliances, Budweiser, we know that one, yeah. Burger King, 7-Eleven, Trader Joe's, Jeep Chrysler and Dodge, Frigidaire, even Ben and Jerry's, no longer an American company. Who did they sell out to? Um, Does it say? Uh, it's a it's a British conglomerate okay. known as Unilever in 2000. Um, so, you know, and I also believe that uh, Axe Body Spray and Vaseline as well. So we're on that list. so we're whittling away American corporations bit by bit, and we're also selling off land by the you know hectare acre to the Chinese. Mm-hmm. This is not good, you and know, I agree with John Fetterman, it, which ironically he agrees with Donald Trump in you know an America focused economic policy. It is eighteen minutes after nine. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's ninety three WIBC. 22 minutes after 9, you're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Ethan Hatcher filling in for Rob Kendall today. Did you see that honor guard that collapsed? That was wild. Yeah, I did see that. I, I wasn't really understanding what happened to her. Did we find out what, what might have befallen this uh, officer? Okay, well, this is somebody who was guarding the casket of the former Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, and uh, she was seen collapsing yeah. on live TV during the broadcast. I mean, uh, you can tell she's starting to wibble. She's wobble, starting to sway yeah. just a little bit, and, and the, the, the uh, one of the guards behind her is able to catch her, and then she just completely goes limp, plop, yeah. on the floor. Um, and you can hear the TV announcers getting shocked by what's yeah. going on. On the highest court in the land and America, the body of late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, you're seeing there, lying in repose in the court's great hall. The public now has a chance to say goodbye. Oh, oh, looks like, um, so we're just watching this live with you, um, and we have a moment here where someone who is coming uh, appears up, was it one of the honor guards? One of the honor guards. Okay, it looks like it was one of the security details or honor guard that was standing there who has collapsed. Um, We're going to. Yeah collapsed right there. Now, you were speculating she may have locked her knees. How do, how does that make one pass out? I've never heard of this. Well, when you're standing at attention like that for okay. long periods of time, they say you don't lock your knees. You're supposed to bend them just a little bit and kind of bounce a little so that you... Does use... it cut off blood flow? Right. It just makes your whole body go stiff. I mean, <clears throat> you've probably seen people maybe in weddings who are standing up at the altar for a long time and they pass out. I mean, who you knows? sure that's just not nerves? <laughs> it could be a little <laughs> bit of everything. Perhaps she was dehydrated Perhaps she didn't get enough to eat or was tired. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, still um, the casket sitting in the court's great hall right now. I mean, at least and- she didn't mind. <laughs> no, she didn't. I was kind of surprised by everybody around there that were not running to the honor guard's attention. It was like one person ran over and everybody else, I guess that's what they're supposed to do. They stayed at their post. But yeah. I thought the well, person I, I, in the casket's not going anywhere. The one who's passing out is the one who needs assistance. Well, I guess they have to drag her off in the most dignified manner possible. Yeah. That would, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so did you hear about Apple and their 
plans to stop selling some versions of the Apple Watch. Yeah. Does this affect you at all? I don't even have an Apple Watch. I don't have are an you, Apple Watch either. Kev, I know a lot you? of are people you a, do. Are you a techie, an Apple Watch user? No, I just have the iPhone. Why? Yeah. Okay, but what would be the purpose of this device? Like, why Why do people, what, what are well, you no, doing on a watch that isn't much better achieved on a phone? I, I know some people, um, they use the Apple Watch to, like, track their uh, their exercise progress mm-hmm. okay. or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's all I've seen it used for. Well, that's part of the dispute here because evidently there, what was it, the Apple Watch 9 mm-hmm. um, was being marketed with some blood oxygen level detecting technology, which is pretty cool, yeah. and that may infringe on the patent of a medical device company. Yep, so Apple's marketing this as a uh, life-saving device, and you're right, exactly, that's what they're saying, wait, this is uh, patented technology. Right. So, so Biden's going to have to rule. They're, they're giving it to the geezer. I don't know anything about this stuff. Yeah, it does affect don't make the, me decide. the Apple Watch Series 9 and also the Apple Watch Ultra Two and if you want one of those, well, you better go get it because they're going to start stop selling it Thursday. Thursday, it will be no longer available. On a semi-related note, would you like to know how it's able to detect blood oxygen levels? This is something I learned just. Doesn't a couple it just weeks take ago. your heart rate? No, okay. it's cooler than that. Do uh, tell. This is something I learned from the same YouTube channel that did the video about <laughs> sensor technology. The microwave and my, sensor. Yep. Okay. This is Technology <laughs> Connections on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he did a video explaining how they're able to use those medical devices that clip on the end of your finger yeah. and and then read your blood oxygen level. Mm-hmm. Turns out that your oxygen will absorb different levels of light depending on how oxygenated it is. So they shine a light through your finger, and then depending on how much oxygen is in your blood, it will come back at different wavelengths. That's it. And that's how it works. It's, so it's done by light. Uh-huh. Okay. Isn't that cool? I, I, do you know what your oxygen level is? Do you Probably ever low, I'm asthmatic. <laughs> <laughs> I think mine's normally sitting at 96, 97, which is good. I think you want to be over 100. Okay, one other thing. Uh, Princess Diana's uh, address that she wore. Did you see this? I did. Uh, she wore it in 1985, and it recently sold at auction for $1.1 million. Who does that go to? That's what I'm wondering. Who does buys the- this stuff? Well, no, 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 no. Where does the money go? Is that Because what, this is a royal dress. Mm-hmm. So is it going to the people of Britain? Is it going back in the Queen's coffer? Like, what, what, where's this? Where's the money going? Very interesting question. Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on it's who owned it. Going right up to the Tower of London next to the jewels. Who owned it? Right. Who owned it before and who's selling it? Uh, selling- I guess it's going into private collection now. Why would you want Princess Diana's 1985 dress? Yep. I, I don't know. Ugh. Why would you spend over a million dollars on it? It was 11 times the estimate, too. So even uh, they thought it was overvalued. And it, I guess uh, the previous record was $604,000 from this L.A. auction house. But now, I mean, that blew that one away, didn't it? Okay. Yeah. We've got uh, the news coming up. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Bells will be ringing. The sad, sad news. Good morning. It is 934. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall's going to join us after 10 o'clock this morning. We're going to talk about some stuff. He I, he needs to get a little bit out of his system. He just can't stay away. The no, man's actually, a workaholic and he loves talking about Indiana politics. Actually, he can stay away. I was the one who asked him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some stories and I thought, you know what? This really needs the Rob Kendall treatment. And he said, yeah, well, whatever it, you need. It's true. When I saw that on the lineup, 
up, I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, this seems like Rob, right up Rob Kendall's alley. Yeah, sure well, the Indiana Supreme Court has set arguments in the John Rust election law challenge, and it happens, it's, it's going to take place three days after the filing deadline to run for U.S. Senate. Coincidence? I think not. But I thought uh, we need to get uh, Rob's insight on that, so uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit after 10 o'clock this morning. Right now, though, let's talk about South Bend's own Pete Buttigieg. He says, once you go electric, there's no going back. That sounds ominous. <laughs> um, so he was uh, he was talking about the concerns that uh, EVs, what? They're just not selling. To, to your EV goals, to the goals for electric vehicles in the United States, because it, it, it seems more and more like uh, car dealerships can't sell them. We had a, a friend uh, who just tried to uh, have his, his dealers was, were trying to sell him an EV truck, a Ford 150 EV, uh, for 10000 bucks because he wanted to clear the lot of it. And car makers are losing a lot of money. Ford is losing $36,000 per vehicle. How do you convince, one, the customers to buy them, and two, uh, the car makers to make to to continue to churn them out when they're losing money on every one they sell. Well, first of all, if you know somebody who's selling a new Ford F-150 electric for 10000 bucks, please give me their number. I'll uh, give it to because, you. Uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, <laughs> that's something I'd love Jeff to know. Jeff Sika, uh, who's right here, will tell we you. Are. We had to, um, but yeah, please do. Um, there's about a million dollars <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in, or sorry, a, a million EVs sale. That was a new record, and the share of EVs has about tripled. But mm -hmm. there's going to be year-to-year -year fluctuations, right? Mm -hmm. A year ago, uh, they couldn't stock them fast enough. Uh, now we're seeing more uh -huh. of those ups and downs in, in yeah. demand. What it's, I, I think it's funny that he said, if you if you know somebody who's selling that truck for that price, let me know. Because he knows himself how expensive they are. Well, so, I also like how the uh, uh, reporter's like, oh, I will. I can't show you. I'll uh, show you the receipts. Yeah, Nobody so, wants these stupid things. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that to you, and then you can see for yourself. So they're expensive. They have limited range, uh, limited charging stations, and nobody wants to wait around for them to be charged. So this is... There's an uphill battle. There's lots of problems with the technology, uh, also including uh, temperature limits. Like in colder uh, environments like Indiana, they tend to underperform, mm -hmm. and you can't get around that. Also, uh, we have a lot of you know moisture, salt on the roads, things that corrode and eat away at batteries and cause fire. And lithium doesn't like salt water. I'm not sure if you are aware about that, uh, <laughs> but but that's that's kind of a problem when those things interact with each other. Uh, and also, it's extremely expensive to replace the battery packs on those things like half if not more than half the cost of the overall vehicle ten to twenty thousand dollars in some cases just to get a new battery pack if you thought uh, replacing the transmission was the most expensive thing that could go wrong on a vehicle huh? wait yeah just wait until your battery on your ev car needs to be replaced well i think that's the obvious problem there's no place to plug these things in and even if you plug them in at home your your electric bill is already high. It's just going to get even higher, and then you got to sit there and wait for it. Right. And then what? Are, what are they powering the electric vehicles with? Mm. Oh, that's right. Fossil fuel electric generators. Mm, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about Ashley Biden and what is going on with her. 
Uh, okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It's being revealed that she owes over $5,000 in income taxes dating back to 2015. What is going on with these Bidens well, and their inability to pay their taxes? I think it's quite obvious. It's a family of tax frauds, people who are used to living off the grift and not doing as Biden so often talks about paying their fair share. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's everybody else's responsibility, not the Biden crime family. Okay, so what, you said something about paying your fair share. Right. Okay, well... Well, that's what he says. Yeah, just remember that this development comes just days after Hunter Biden was charged by the DOG for not paying over a million dollars in taxes. And and here's, here's dad... His family is gross. Yeah, here's good old dad telling you to pay your fair share in taxes, uh, maybe it's time that he focus on telling his own tax-cheating children to pay their fair share. I'm asking this. Pay your fair share. <laughs> Pay your fair share. Mm-hmm. Pay your fair share. Oh, We're doing okay. it by making the wealthy and big corporations begin to start to pay their fair share. Uh-huh. I'm going to make sure the wealthy pay their fair share. I just think it's about just paying your fair share, for Lord's sake. Pay your fair share. He's so creepy. Uh, yeah, the, whis- the, the Biden whisperer is just really weird. Share. Definitely pays to be in the Biden family. No consequences for tax evasion there, right? Right. All cheaters. And then you they- you pay your fair share, but if you're one of his offspring, it's okay. No worries, <laughs> right? Well, it's the double standard in government. It's the double standard with these grifters who have sold their power, sold their name, sold the you know American people off basically to enrich themselves, and and they have the audacity to cheat the tax system on top of it. This is a family that is accustomed to living above the law. Correct. At least they think they are. Uh, you you have to pay your fair share, but they don't. Well, this is why uh, uh, the testimony by the IRS whistleblowers is so damning mm-hmm. because they see the receipts. They know the connections between Hunter Biden and dad, and they, they, they see the pattern there. So there's a Taco Bell cantina that's planned to open in downtown Indianapolis. And guess what? They want to sell alcoholic drinks as well and custom menu items. Of course, the owner of the Taco Bell located within the Circle Center Mall is suing to stop the opening. Too much competition poses a risk to the current Taco Bell. Well, depending on their contractual arrangement, they might not be able to because that is something that's written into some uh, franchise agreements, most notably not Subway, which is why you can see Subway's like less than half a mile away from each other. You could have had one franchisee open a location and they're all too willing to uh, let another franchisee pay the bill and then in- infringe on uh, their territory and competition. OK, so this so, lawsuit. Like, there's, yeah, there's there could be a potential basis here. But the, I think the more pertinent question is why on earth would you want to drink alcohol? alcohol and have those nasty Taco Bell burritos. These things are not congruous. <laughs> That's a disgusting combination. Isn't that something you do? You eat the tacos after you've had the alcohol? <sighs> like, isn't that the order of things? I would not be <laughs> eating the tacos after I, I drink alcohol. But yes, ordinarily, that is the order because I think if you do it at the same time, they, they both uh, both might be expelled in short order mm-hmm. from one end or the other. I mean, it's not, not a pretty picture when you get Taco Bell and booze involved. So the loss who claims that this sets up unfair competition for the Circle Center Mall Taco Bell location and is a violation of the Indiana Deceptive Franchise Practices Act. Okay. Did you know that existed? I did not. The Indiana Deceptive Franchise Practices Act. But if I were a franchise owner, I would definitely want to be on top of Indiana state law for just this reason.
So Madonna, she uh, has come out and said that she was induced in a coma for 48 hours while she was hospitalized for that bacterial infection. Do you remember when she was hospitalized a few months ago? I don't really follow up, keep up with Madonna news. I'm, I'm so surprised by that, <laughs> Ethan. Well, I'm curious, um, does this make her a more sympathetic character I didn't know she was an unsympathetic character is it just because she's you know, she's frivolous and audacious and you know uh, uh, I don't I know struts struts about is that what, what yeah. people are upset about yeah oh, okay uh, yeah well, that's just personal taste it's a free country she can do what she wants I never I I would never wish so ill upon someone mm-hmm. in this nature like a medical uh, malady to happen to somebody just because I don't like them yeah um well you don't like her music right Sure, but I would. I don't want her to be sick. That's, right. that's a little goat. Well, that's what I. That's what I'm wondering uh, for those that aren't big fans of Madonna. Um, if that makes her a more sympathetic person. Okay. Well, sure. Um, I get well soon. <laughs> she already is well. Oh. Okay. By the way, she's just coming out with this after the fact. And and why is that? It's always after the fact, right? So we well, were. She was in a coma. Well, I don't think she'd be making any press statements. <laughs> well, she's passed no. out of the hospital. That's then. true. So we talked earlier about. That dress that was worn by Princess Diana in 1985, which sold for $1.1 million at yes. auction. There's something else that sold for a lot of money at auction. And this one is even more puzzling to me. It's one of the earliest mass produced artificial Christmas trees. It was purchased for pennies in 1920. It sold for $4,200, almost $4,300 on auction at Friday. This is according to Hanson's Auctioneers. Now, you are a collector of yes. antiquities and, and historical things. Do you find any history in a 123-year-old tree, fake Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see for the right collector that would be a worthwhile acquisition, and it's far more affordable than the Princess Die dress. What, that sell for $1.1 million? This sold for, sold for like $4,000? Yeah, $4,300. So at least this is attainable. Now, I wouldn't spend $4,000 on this. Just to describe it to the listeners, it almost looks like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. This thing is sad, it does. sickly, it thin, does. almost bending over with a teeny tiny one little ornament, you know, yeah. hanging on. So, you know, it's not what I would call attractive, but in the history of, I don't know, Christmas ornamentation, those are very collectible. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are often Christmas sections in parts of antique stores. Oh, so, sure. And you, you know, see just a like lot Coca-Cola of the, collectors. You, you know. see a lot of the silver aluminum trees from the, you know, the, the 50s. 50s. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. this one from 1920, okay, they're saying it's the humblest Christmas tree in the world. And it is very <laughs> humble looking. But what do you do with something like this? If you're the buyer of uh, an old Christmas tree what do you do do you do you set this out year round yes theoretically i would imagine they have like a christmas tree room if you collect like those antique uh, uh, 1950s aluminum trees this would go right next to that as an early precursor Mm -hmm. i mean all my phonographs go you know right next to each other oh this one does this that one does that this was made by this company that one was made by that company you wouldn't need a lot of space for this tree it's 31 inches tall it only has 25 branches 12 (laughs) berries and six mini candles holders and uh the base of it is painted red and it was purchased at Woolworth's department store so there you go classic christmas trees uh, and now it's wool worth a lot more than they originally bought it for <laughs> it's 9:45 it is the Kendall and Casey show it's 93 WIBC oh yeah candles burning low lots of 
Good morning. It is 11 minutes in front of 10. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall with the day off. Ethan Hatcher joining us in the uh, studio. Ethan, do you have a, a college degree? I have two, Casey. What? Yeah. I graduated uh, with a major in communication and a focus on electronic media and mm-hmm. a second major in political science. Where'd you go to school? University of Indianapolis, which okay. has just turned into a total crap fest since I left, evidently, which is, it makes me ashamed to say about my alma mater. It was it was great when I left it. Mm-hmm. Why do you say it's turned into a crap fest? Uh, just what I hear about students. And it, it really manifested after uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, the quality oh. went down the drain. Well, that could be said and, about and a lot, lot of, of things. Well, yeah, but like a lot of uh, professors <laughs> were laid off they they laid off a lot of institutional knowledge like just bad choices have been made well did you see that nearly nine million borrowers missed their first student loan yes, payment after well. uh, the, the pause ended this fall this coming from the department of uh, education means 40 percent of the 22 million borrowers who had bills due did not make payments yeah but they wouldn't be defaulting if they were controlled by the bank instead of the government you they know so? that they yeah right because they know that the government is going to allow them to not pay they've been trained to do this mm-hmm. by the biden administration And the thing is, is the people who miss their payments, they're not going to face any significant penalties either. And that's because there's this on-ramp period. Right. There's this on-ramp period (laughs) that was created by the Biden administration. And and during that time, they're not going to be reported as delinquent or in default to the three national credit bureaus that are expecting payment. Uh, So there's no consequence. And if there's no consequence, there is no impotence or impetus to, to to make the payment. Yeah. They they will have their interest that will accrue, but you know, what's, what's the, what's the recourse? What's, what's the problem if they don't pay? There isn't one. And that's something that I asked. I I was talking with my brother about that recently. I said, so we still paying our bills? Is is that what we're doing? What's going on? Because I felt like there was this trend of these people who, what's going to happen to them? There will be no punishment. The federal government should never have nationalized student loans to begin with because now the American people are on the hook for these individuals' delinquency. Mm -hmm. It's gross. So you've got uh, 40% of the 22 million not paying their bill. And that really mm, makes me angry. Especially for the people who do pay their bills, for the people who, like you, who paid off, you know, college and who were able to uh, uh, provide that for their children. Mm-hmm. People people like me who, right. who saved. And, and were responsible and did the right thing. And, and worked and saved and then paid. Right. And, and weren't given a handout or uh, any sort of loan debt transfer because of course we all know you can't cancel debt you can only transfer it it is 9:52. it's the kendall and casey show on 93 wibc and uh, how about this luxury train ride it goes from paris to italy and it's going to cost eighty five hundred dollars for a one-way ticket i'm down really? that sounds like a good time from for Italy to Paris? For $8,500? I'm, I'm not saying I have the money. I'm saying if I did. <laughs> uh-huh. If I did, this would be the kind of thing I'd spend it on. Wouldn't you? Want... Yeah, Kev, you're a world traveler. If you mm-hmm. had $8,500 in just walking around money, wouldn't you like to drop it on a train trip like this? Well, I have actually been on a train from Paris Ooh. to Milan, Italy, and it probably, it probably costs maybe uh, maybe 50 euros. Yeah, And that's 50... about what I'm willing to pay for. I mean, a little it was... different from 8500. Yeah, I don't know. 8500 
Yeah, I think you can get the same experience or almost the same experience. Did if, your train cheaper. ride have velvet seats and tablecloths? Well, and, no, that's China. Thing. Yeah, I'll bet but, I, but I ride the trains not for like the comfort of it, um, mm-hmm. but, but more this, for like the views. Well, see, this is the comfort and the views, and I'll bet this is like riding the or, uh, Orient Express minus the murder. <laughs> sure, it is. <laughs> <laughs> On this train ride, you get a menu that's planned by a uh, Michelin five-star chef as well. And, and, you know, real silver. The silverware is real silver. You probably got a plastic cup and, uh, you know, a plastic spork to eat your snack. I, I don't You're just making this more attractive it. for me. A five-star Michelin chef. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the dining car rooms look beautiful, um, but it uh, comes with a nice $8,500 price tag. Sure. So this- the, the, uh, the fanciest train I've ever ridden was in New Hampshire, uh, mm-hmm. the Cog Railway up the side of Mount Washington. It's like a hu- it's one of the steepest inclines for a train anywhere, which is why it has the interlocking cog mechanism to help it climb up the mountain. It's an old steam engine, and it's so steep that the uh, tank is build at like a 30 degree angle so that way it evens out as it goes up the hill it's cool cool stuff but it didn't cost anywhere near 80 i thought it would be neat to do like a train ride (laughs) out west you know where you can see the mountains out the window and you know you sleep in the now you probably kevin didn't sleep in the car when you took that train ride no i think we departed in the morning and Mm -hmm. got there by uh, maybe early afternoon yeah so this is uh this is a three-day train ride and it leaves Paris and then it goes to Dijon and then Lyon and Avignon and then La Côte d'Azur before it crosses into Italy so you get the Mediterranean and I'm sure some what's the uh, final destination it is Venice Venice. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a pretty lengthy trip. Yeah. That's phenomenal. And it's uh, when you put it that way, it's only $2,800 a day, basically. That's it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I can see the appeal of it. It's yeah. just not something that I could do. Yeah. Um, that's more of a vacation. Well, we can all not dream, Not just a train Kev. ride. We can all dream. <laughs> True. Um, all right. We've got uh, lots more to come. Rob Kendall's going to join us coming up. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Up just before daylight.